Um, maybe who who has spoken the least today in, in the in, in the group as a whole, the group as a whole. I haven't heard. Yeah. So there's. The, so why don't we start with Adam, and because then we can go. To, we can go to the right because if we go to the left, we'll you know anyway. Well, we start with you. So you can get the mic. What do I say? Great. <laughs> so uh, I'm hope I, we'll see how far we go because I don't want to spend too much time on this. But if you're brief, it's probably you know good enough for everybody. And uh, that is, um, in what ways do chaplains get uncomfortable? Mm. In what ways do chaplains get uncomfortable? In being a, in being, in being a chaplain, going to a hospital, into prisons, what are the occasions for discomfort? I'm going to stick with like the really gross level discomfort and talk about low blood sugar, having to pee, lack of sleep, and possible body things going on and it might be difficult to remain present. Wow, it's difficult to be in one's own body. Great. So that's that's about the length we want. So I think one situation that might be difficult is if if I'm being asked like point blank like, "Well, what do you believe?" like kind of that, like in a confrontational kind of way. Great. Okay. I think it might be difficult to be a chaplain with another chaplain trying to provide service and provide service and be there for a patient. So two of them working together and two of them together. coordinating. Okay. Yep. So much, the question isn't more difficult, but the question is more uncomfortable. What is uncomfortable? It can be uncomfortable to being a chaplain. I noticed when I was being shadowed, I found that much more uncomfortable because I felt much more self-conscious, um, more performance it, it was hard to be natural. It was hard to be me. Yeah. And I have very much those... I have very much those same sentiments when I walk into a room and there is family there with um, the patient. The patients alone, I'm not uncomfortable. But when there's particularly more than one family uh-huh. member... Great. by the bed, or friends, Great. then I feel like I'm, I don't know, like on stage or something. Great. Yeah. So, Kater, we're going around the room, everyone talking about what can be uncomfortable in being a chaplain, doing chaplaincy work. So I'm giving little examples. I think if, when you realize suddenly that you're having to fill your own need for something. Think being a um, encountering a very um, distraught family. Great. Trying to strike up a conversation with someone in an ICU with who's got tubes going into their mouth that the nurse just woke up and then the nurse starts answering all the yes or no questions that I'm answering. I'm asking to get not because the nurse thinks that this person is not being with it. That was awkward. I can relate to a lot of what other people said, but one thing that made me uncomfortable is when someone was telling me a story 
that I can empathically listen to, but is so against my own morals and beliefs in walking away from that. Alan stole my answer. I was going to say basically the same thing that Alan did, and I'm not thinking on my feet right now. So okay. I never think on my feet, so... <laughs> I think I get very uncomfortable when I hear a patient who is suffering, either crying or moaning, makes me uncomfortable. In the prison, I get uncomfortable when um, an inmate brings up a point or a story that I would have to agree with, you know, was not fair for them, but there's there's literally nothing you could say um, say about it. Really? Um, I'm having trouble thinking of anything that someone hasn't already mentioned. I guess when someone is um, over the top angry or confrontational or just like lots of judgment. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, receiving multiple stories and being exposed to difficulties you know sequentially in a short amount of time it's difficult I would echo the sentiment of hearing someone say something that I feel like that just goes against a lot of my values and ethics with the, with the same distinction of thinking okay I can I can connect you as a person and, and if I don't get into the details of what you're saying, but once I get into the details, then it's like something in me, especially certain things that I feel like, oh, I don't know if I can just let that go. Someone who's uh, angry, aversive, wants help, but at the same time pushes away. Um, I've been really uncomfortable trying to communicate with people who aren't um, verbally capable of talking or have limited functionality and, and or don't speak the same language. Um, when I feel blamed, that makes me very uncomfortable. Um. Well, when someone is so uh, deeply distressed that, uh, um, yeah, I, anyway, <laughs> I'm like qualifying it in my head, but uh, if I'm distracted and I can't just be there with, you know, kind of compassionate presence, their distress can, can sink me if I'm not in the right place. Uh, when I don't like somebody or I'm not interested in them for, for whatever reason, like there's a, an aversion and I think I shouldn't feel that way or I just find them really boring and um, I'm not being attentive enough. and It's very awkward. Great. Thank you very much for all that. So what I'd like to do is a little kind of contemplative reflection on continue this kind of theme of discomfort. And I use the word discomfort rather than suffering because discomfort is a broader category and suffering, for some people, is like the big stuff or something. 
and but in a, so if you'd be willing just to close your eyes and it's relatively brief but to close your eyes and maybe sit up straight and Take a few long, slow, deep breaths to maybe as a way of connecting to yourself from the inside. Perhaps as a way of settling down. And perhaps as you exhale, letting go of your thoughts and your concerns for the moment. breathing normally and see if you can bring to mind, remember what you are like at a time when you were particularly stressed. Perhaps you were hungry and tired and frazzled, maybe low blood sugar, they say, or something like that. Maybe in a hurry. And in that kind of, when you're that way and there's no wisdom available, you can't really tap into your years of practice and whatever wisdom you have because of the amount of stress you're experiencing. If you walk into a situation of conflict or great discomfort, and what then would be your gut reaction? What would be like your instinctual reaction when you're stressed out, tired, exhausted, and no wisdom available. And you respond in a flash without any self-reflection. How would you respond? How would you react? And then once again, maybe take some long, deep breaths to make a transition. And as you exhale, maybe forget this unfortunate memory. Feel your body against your chair, against the floor. Remember that you're here. And for a few moments, maybe breathing normally and Use whatever way you know to kind of connect with yourself again and settle in. And then perhaps now you can remember what it was like for you at a time when you were well rested, well fed, you felt no stress, calm and relaxed and you'd you know very well very much connected to your spirituality or to your wisdom and the wisest part of you is (coughs) is available 
And now, if you step into a situation of conflict or great discomfort, what is your way of responding now? What would you call on or how would you be, how might you respond? When you're this way, Okay, so then you can take a couple of deep breaths and open your eyes. And the, the hope with that little exercise was that maybe you can see that how you are in relationship to discomfort, whatever that might be, might vary depending on the state that you're in. A simple idea. So I want to tell you two uh, personal stories. Uh, And I'm kind of building a case here to have you then have a little discussion among yourselves about your relationship to discomfort and the Dharma of discomfort. And um, so some uh, months ago, uh, I had a migraine. And it was bad enough that I went to bed. And I felt all I could do was lay completely still in bed. And uh, my eyes closed. And um, and it was pretty sharp and intense, the pain in my head. And I got kind of curious about this, what this was like. And I thought, what if I change how I view the pain, the story I have about it? I hadn't wasn't so conscious that I had a story or something, but what if I, you know, I was laying there peacefully, innocently, just being in pain. I thought, what if I change it? What if I have this story, the idea, that uh, this is, my brain is, my brain power or something, my brain is something. This is actually, this is a growing pain. It's, it's stretching to get bigger and to hold more, to be able to have more capacity or something. So I, I laid there with this idea that this is growing pain, stretching pains of something growing. And when I had that story, it was manageable. It, was, it wasn't so bad. Like, oh, it has meaning, it has purpose, you know. And so then I let go of that, and then I could see how the self-pity and, and the aversion to it, and poor me, and, you know, and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a meditation teacher, I should know how to be better with this, I shouldn't just be laying here, just with doing nothing with pain, I should, whatever, you know, all these ideas that kind of would come in, and and then it just all those, I could see how much it got sharper and more intense. But when I went back to the city, oh, this is a good thing. This is a growth pain. You know, it got easier. That's kind of you know. So you know, how would I told myself and made a difference to the discomfort of it all. More recently, I had um, occasion to have some experiences of grief and anger. And so I was sitting with it. And I know how to sit with these things and feeling it. And it felt pretty, you know, serious and heavy or something and being there. And, and um, I thought it was valuable to f- feel it and be with it. 
And, um, you know, I was, thought I was being with it innocently. And then I thought, to, you know, what if I sit with it with a different story, a different idea? What if I see it as not looking at it as like, oh, this is, you know, this heavy grief and anger that's, you know, it's troublesome and something happened in the world and did this things to me and it wasn't fair or whatever, all these things that, associations. What if I have this attitude and be, and, and is that be with that, the physic, physical pain that I was feeling around these emotions, what if I see it as uh, something, uh, that uh, these are birth pangs. Something wants to be born here. Something wants to emerge out of this, the phoenix out of the ashes. And, I, and when I did that, it became a whole different experience to be with the feelings, the emotions, the pain and all that. And it actually, it, it, I would say the pain level of the discomfort maybe didn't change, but uh, there was space around it. I wasn't troubled by it. It became more like a gift at some point. And, um, and I feel that because of that attitude, whether it was originally something was going to be born or not, I don't know, but because that was the attitude, uh, something was born out of it. Something did seem to shift and change that couldn't otherwise. So I tell you those two stories to say that we can have discomfort, we can have suffering and challenges and no work, but we're not really that innocent. Like we're just like the innocent victim of an innocent person to receive it. We participate uh, with how we are physiologically, how we are with our, you know, how we are. We also participate in it by these sometimes extremely subtle stories we tell ourselves about it. Stories that are, have to do with self-identity, poor me, and I'm so hard of blame, and and um, you know stories of hopelessness, stories of it's too much, or you know there's there's an you know, infinite number of these stories. So um, so the, all these can operate when you're doing spiritual care. You're going to end up in situations which are uncomfortable, and I think it was evoked. I forget who said it this morning. But uh, you go in and, um, and you, you know, I think Paul said it, right? That, that it's the gift that we have that we're offering is we're willing to go into situations which are extremely uncomfortable, st- extremely unpleasant and challenging, uh, willingly, where other people find it would never even want to, even can imagine even being in the, you know, you know, in a, you know, one room away or something or down the hallway, it's just so big. And chaplains go in there to be with that and chaplains will be unco- uncomfortable. I mean, if you think that you're supposed to be always comfortable and riding on a cloud of bliss and just walk in there and beatifically and smile and wave your magic wand and make everyone happy, it's pretty unrealistic. You're going to be uncomfortable too in uh, many ways. And so what do you bring to your discomfort? What do you bring to your suffering? Uh, what do you, uh, what's your, uh, what kind of care can you give to attending to it and attending to it wisely and, and uh, take into account who you are and be careful of the stories you tell, tell yourself. And so that's the topic for discussion. And um, there are 17 people here. So I think what I'd like to suggest is that um, we do four groups of four.
and one group of five. And uh, that um, uh, hope, I'm hoping something about what I've said here, what I've set up, has evoked something in you that would be useful to contribute to the discussion. You know, how are you with discomfort? What's your relationship to it? What have you learned? What's challenging? And how do you relate to it wisely? And what's difficult for you around it? Based on kind of what I've, the examples I gave and things. And, um, and it's not exactly so targeted and specific intentionally because I want you to find yourself in this. And, and then go around your little group and each person just say one point. And again, this idea of a lot of story is probably not so helpful. So maybe you can make the story really short or get to the point. And just so, and when you go around a circle, each person making a point, you're going to learn from each other. You're going to be affected and influenced by what you hear. So when you come, because it's really a listening exercise mostly. And when it comes back to you, you might have new things to say that you've never thought about before because you were prompted by what you heard from others. Does that make some sense? Is that sense enough? Yes. Yeah, the question is uh, was vague, and I said it many different ways. But uh, to be as we uh, maybe put it into one sentence is um, is what is your relationship to your discomfort? Well, I'm thinking in relationship to chaplaincy. Yeah. So let's uh, uh, we, let's just count off a one to four. To make the four groups. So, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, three, four. Great. So, can you, the four of you, the first four, can you hold up your fingers? One, two, three, four. You're the leaders of the group, which only means you decide where you meet. <laughs> so, follow your follow your leaders. <laughs> 